All right. So before I go through this slide here, tell you a little bit about our uh, Diane and mine's trip here. I'd just like to, once again, say thank you very much for the opportunity you gave us to go do this. Um, truly humbled by it, honestly. We've talked about it a numerous amount of times, how just much of a blessing and how great you guys are and you provided this way for us. And, uh, and uh, you'll learn later on just what kind of stuff that we learned about and whatnot, but uh, it's truly a blessing. All right, so I'll go through these pictures here. Don't have too many. Hopefully we won't be too long here. We just got a quick message after that. Uh, this picture right here is at the airport. A little sad airport. Very big. Not really. It's actually pretty small. But uh, and that was right outside the doors there. And this is the house that we stayed in while we were there. It's a traditional uh, mud um, sod house. I'm just kidding. We didn't actually stay in there. <laughs> and, uh, that right there is what they used to live in. It's not an igloo. I thought about putting an igloo up there, but that didn't work. But this is the house that we stayed in right there. Pretty nice house. They just got that. and It was really a blessing that we got to stay in there while we were there. Uh, some of the dogs around town. One of the things you hear once you step out the door there is howling, and you're woken up to that. You know, here it's the rooster in the morning, right? It's a choir of dogs in the morning here getting fed. There's dogs everywhere. Puppies get to roam around free. The other ones have to be chained up. That right there's the church. Uh, uh, it's kind of neat because they actually lived in that church for, I think, five or six years. So it was nice that they were able to move out to their own house. That was across town. Some of the houses, uh, uh, colors really amazed me. Uh, just uh, different houses. Actually, you'll probably see a pink one here in a second. That right there was the view from the house we had every morning. Beautiful. There's the pink one. Snowed a couple times while we were there. That right there is the state church. That's what they call it. That's basically where everybody goes to town. Uh, the bell rings. I think it's like 10. And uh, they actually, it's really close to the missionaries' church, but it just amazes me how many people go to that church. Bell rings. People start flooding down the roads and... Here we are standing at the door waiting for somebody to come into our church. But there's a few people that do come. But it's Lutheran, that's the state religion there. Harbor, that's a, I'd say that's the center of town. Everybody likes to fish there, hunting, tourism. Ship delivering the food every week. It just amazed me how crowded in. The boats are there. Everybody has a boat there. Lone iceberg got into the harbor. Yeah, it was cold. <laughs> That's uh, this town in particular. Tourism, I, somebody was telling me it was number one 
industry, and that's basically why, because of the icebergs. They're so close. You can, 20 minutes, you can walk out and see these things right here. This right here is our interpreter, and uh, she's very friendly, speaks very good English, and uh, was actually a big help. Uh, there was one time where she didn't show up to one of the services, but that was okay. That was the day we only had one person come out to church, and, <laughs> and he spoke good English, so it wasn't bad. <laughs> but she was very nice. She was helpful showing us around town, and, and I got to use, as far as interpreting, um, the kids' Classes. You'll see some pictures from the kids here in a sec, but uh, she was very helpful with that because they don't really speak the English. And uh, um, also one of the church services, we got to use her. Hey, here's uh, some pictures from the kids' club. Now, that actually went really well. We had uh, Those are Wednesday nights. And uh, I think the first night we had just four come out, but the next time we had 13 come out, which was great. And... Um, Basically, all we do is we play some uh, games and also just snacks, and they go over a verse as well. So, guy over here, he's a goofball. amazing they don't really have too much space in their church but they manage to have fun with it still you know we still play dodgeball with these little bean bags instead of like the big balls that we play in down there and they, they have a blast we actually saw the northern lights one of the last uh days we were there which is pretty neat i think that's uh yeah it's the last one Anyways, uh, the, I think the children's club was really that was really an experience for us, and then um, also um, the church services went well. I mean, like the first day, there was just the one person, and he um, wasn't all there, <laughs> and uh, he he didn't pay attention. So to be honest with you, I just uh, I just kind of explained a verse to him, and then we went in and had dinner. <laughs> they provide food, so that's all he uh, really cared about, I think, was the food. And then the next Sunday service, he brought a friend out, but he wasn't all there either. And uh, <laughs> that, I think, yeah, that, that actually, I think our interpreter did come, but uh, that man also spoke a little bit of English. But it was kind of sad because uh, we didn't see him the next service, and we were just out walking around town, and that man that uh, came that second service uh, apparently has a drinking problem it's just early in the morning and he was out you know drunk as could be out in town and, and drinking's a big thing there and uh, and also um, drugs and whatnot so that was kind of sad to see that but I think he was coming for the food as well because uh, I don't think he uh, I don't think he really had a home to live in which was sad as well and then the, the last service, uh, we actually had, I think, nine people there, which was a blessing. 
And I uh, wish we would have took pictures of that, but a family came and uh, one guy plays the guitar and stuff. It was pretty cool. And uh, had to get to use the interpreter as well. Some kids came. so. But um, I think uh, the kids' class was something that we really enjoyed, Diane and I. And uh, that was something that uh, I think uh, we got burdened for was the kids in town. Uh, the kids, they, they walk around town freely without their parents. I mean, they're just everywhere. And uh, I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I've kind of noticed that um, they're more open in a way. And uh, I think there's potential there for, I think that's a great ministry that they have there. Uh, and one in particular, I think some of the older ones, the adults, the grandparents there, still kind of drilled into their old ways, like spiritism and stuff that you might hear about in the Arctic. But their kids aren't being grown up taught that stuff so they're kind of just like and they're available you know uh, whatever you teach them they're going to learn and uh, it really got a burden for the kids there while we were there and that's one of the things that you know, we we think about often and the potential there with the kids and it was it was a blast just playing with the kids and even though you don't speak their language it's cool you can still interact with them you know you can find ways they understand what you're saying or what you're trying to say, you know, and you just have fun with them, and it's pretty good. Um, but, yeah, as far as, uh, you know, I, I got the question, so are you going back, or when do you start deputation? Stuff like that, and, uh, you know, I, having a burden for a place, and we do, we really do have a burden for, like, the kids there, like we just said, and you know, even the adults, friendly people. And, um, but we're, we're still kind of, praying about it, I guess you'd say, and I, uh, I've been telling a few people, too, that there's um, some people that I'd like to contact and just kind of learn more about it and what are the options, you know, stuff, and there's quite a few people, including the missionary that we helped out as well, so if you would just continue to pray for us about that, that would be great, and um, I hope you're not getting impatient with us or anything like that, but um, you know, the Lord will tell us in his timing. And uh, he hasn't completely shut the door. He hasn't, I don't feel he's really completely opened it yet, but uh, we're just being patient, and uh, he'll give us the next step. I'm just uh, faithful to do what I'm doing right now, and then we'll see where it goes from there. So if you'd continue to pray for us about that, and also um, as I maybe get the chance to contact some people as well and learn more about it, that would be great. Also, if you have any questions more about it, uh, come up and ask me. I don't mind at all. Um, I don't know everything, but I learned a few things while I was there, so I, I enjoy having questions about that. So don't hesitate to come and ask either one of us. All right. Well, we don't have too much time, which is perfect for me because I don't preach that long anyways. But uh, <laughs> let me turn to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, something the Lord's laid on my heart, actually, uh, even while I was on the missions trip, I actually uh, shared this passage, a very familiar passage with the kids uh, during um, one of the Wednesday night services there, and I'm not sure if they actually understood it or not, but it's something that, it was a simple enough verse, and um, 
something that the Lord's laid on my heart. Matthew chapter 9, and um, we'll read verses 27. Uh, actually, no, that's the wrong passage. My bad. It's Matthew chapter 6. My bad. Matthew chapter 6. I was there earlier. Matthew chapter 6. And verses 19 through 21. Matthew six nineteen through 21. And it says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Uh, Before Diane and I even left uh, for Greenland, um, I'll admit, and I think we both will admit, that we were a little bit nervous. Um, no, it wasn't the flying. It wasn't the fact that I had to preach to with using an interpreter, you know, even though some of that stuff might have been a little bit bad. But uh, it was the news that we got before. Um, it was kind of a couple of different things that really were like, whoa, what's happening there before we even went? Uh, the first thing, and actually uh, happened probably about four weeks before we got there, but our interpreter's uh, son, 17-year-old son, um, was at a friend's house and heard a knock at the door. And he opened the door and some one of his friends lunged at him and stabbed him in the face and murdered him right there. So I'm like, whoa, that's pretty brutal. Especially, you know, the missionary, the actual missionary family's not there. And I was just kind of like, oh, that's pretty intense. I didn't even really said much about it. I just figured, you know, that stuff happens anywhere. It happens even in that place more than probably what we would even think. Um, But a couple weeks go by and I read another thing on the missionary's blog post that their church was attempted broken into. And uh, you can see the pictures of the glass and and everything from the doors. Uh, Actually, when we got there, there was blood and stuff around the glass, so somebody tried actually getting inside the church. And so now we're thinking, okay, now we're getting a little bit nervous. We're thinking, okay, maybe somebody doesn't like the mission, the other missionaries there. What's going to happen to us? And uh, when we got there, we were just a little bit nervous about the whole thing. You know, we weren't sure if we were actually welcome. And uh, so, needless to say, um, you know, when it started getting dark, um, my wife, and she's going to beat me up for this later, but uh, she would. <laughs> she would get nervous over the slightest little noise that you'd hear. I mean, just like, what was that? What was that? So I started, I grabbed a kitchen knife, and I just kind of sat it right there next to my <laughs> next to my thing, just in case, you know, make her feel a little bit more safe. And that happened about a daily or a nightly basis. You know, we heard something, and she'd have me get up and look out the window, and usually what it was was somebody being dropped off by the taxi across the street, and you heard something like that. Uh, there was one night where we heard a lot of talking and stuff outside, and it was about 12.30 at night. I believe it was a Thursday night, and uh, so, you know, yeah, even at that late of night, you actually hear quite a few people out and about, but uh, it was kind of interesting what I saw. When I opened up the blind, I saw um, like four or five kids out in the street playing soccer at like 12.30 in the morning on a school night. I'm thinking, What? I just thought that was incredible. And uh, 
it's amazing, as, and it kind of just astonished me to see the kids out playing ball at that time. But I learned a lot from these kids. Um, you know, even you could walk around town. Their sport is soccer, or football is what they would call it over there. But um, they really loved soccer. All the kids did, and even the adults did as well. Um, you would always see them messing around with the soccer ball around town. You would uh, even... During the kids' clubs, they'd have this little ball or whatever, and they'd want to show off their soccer skills to you. They have a soccer field in town that the kids were always playing at, and um, they had clubs and stuff you can be a part of, teams. Uh, I wanted, yeah, I'm pretty sure they all had their fa- uh, favorite soccer player, their favorite team, and, and they wished that someday that their country could be part of uh, you know, like the world platform or they would play soccer against other countries. They lived and breathed soccer. So after learning that, it made sense to me. Okay, 12.30 on a school night. Meh, okay, that's fine. You know, they're out there playing soccer. They're doing what they love. And uh, I start to think in and tying it in with this verse and thinking that was their treasure. They really liked to play soccer. They really enjoyed that. And I got to thinking, how many of us have something that we are very passionate about? Maybe it's a sports team, your hobby, your job, your church, you name it. There's a lot of things that are, we would have something at least that we're very passionate about, that we love, that we would consider our treasure. We all have something like that. We're good at it. We would defend it. There's something that we really care about. And I guess you would say that that was our treasure. We're here in our text Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spoke of the temporal nature of earthly treasures. He said, Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and thieves break through and steal, but store for yourselves treasures in heaven where nothing can happen to it. So what sort of treasures does moth and rust corrupt? What sort of treasures does that consume? Those icebergs that you saw in the back picture there, um, it's the largest, or learned that it was the largest ice fjord, I think that's how you say it, in the whole world. It produces the most ice glaciers or icebergs in the world. And those uh, icebergs will actually travel, they'll come out, and then they'll travel down south, south of Greenland, uh, maybe east of Canada, and uh, the North Atlantic. And... Um, it was believed that uh, those same icebergs back in 1912 were part of the ones that sunk the Titanic. Uh, the Titanic was a big ship. It was a ship that was supposed to last forever. That's what they said. It was a prized possession. Nothing could ever happen to it. This was a ship that nobody has ever seen before. It was the first luxury ship of its kind. It was very highly treasured. It was truly a treasure of the sea. Yet just like that, sunken and rusting on the bottom of the deep Atlantic. The ship had no heavenly value, not at all. But you think of a ship so mighty, they say that nobody could ever sink, sunk just like that. Jesus gives an example. In fact, if you turn to Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12,
Luke chapter 12 and verses 13, we'll read through 21. It says, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasures for himself, and is not rich towards God. What a great example there. Same example with the ship. You know, you can see these earthly valuable things that really have no heavenly value whatsoever. Jesus uh, is not teaching that it's wrong or that to have the most powerful ship. It's not teaching that it's wrong to have the best crops, the most plentiful crops. It's not teaching that it's wrong to have the best stuff. Not saying that it's wrong to be the best soccer player, to have a soccer player that you really like. It's not what Jesus is saying at all. Jesus is emphasizing through his teachings the importance of simply building upon a secure foundation with treasures that are laid up in heaven. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where nothing can ever happen to it. Anything we have here on earth is an earthly treasure. We must lay treasures up in heaven. Okay, so how do we do that? How do we lay treasures up in heaven? What are treasures in heaven? How can we make treasures out of the things that we deeply care about, the things that we like to do, the things that uh, uh, we like to um, have? How do we make treasures that or be cast up into heaven out of those things that will benefit for eternal security? Here's the thing. Earthly treasures do not endure, but earthly resources can be transformed into heavenly treasures, purposes, through sharing. No matter what it is, our hobby, our time, our money, things we like to do, our earthly treasures, when we place that earthly treasure of ours into God's hands to be used for whatever he pleases, for his service, that is a heavenly treasure. That is when our money is given to tithes and faith promise. That is when our time is given to help out a missionary in need. That is when our hobby is used to make uh, a something or for someone that they don't have something. You would make something for them. Uh, That is when soccer can be used as a ministry outreach. Who knows? No matter what your treasure is, when you surrender it over to God, it shows where your heart is. And God will choose to do whatever he wants to with that. That's a heavenly treasure. 
God isn't telling us to get rid of those things that we love. God isn't telling us to give all your money over to somebody. God isn't telling us to, now you shouldn't like soccer that much. God isn't telling you that, but it's what you do with that. Are you surrendering whatever you have over to the Lord to let Him use with however He pleases? Now, I was thinking, you know, watching the kids there play soccer, you know, what a good ministry that would be in a country like that. A little soccer outreach. Some of these kids could use that as a tool someday to reach some other people in their country. Whatever you have, whatever you consider a treasure, if you hand that and surrender it over to God, He can use that greatly. And you're laying up not earthly treasures, you're laying up treasures up in heaven. And you get to do what you like to do. What a blessing. Tonight is really a message on surrender. It's not all wrong to have passions here on earth, but what are you doing with it? Have you surrendered it over to God first? Do you let God use it uh, through you? I hope you do. Because that makes a difference in whether it's an earthly treasure or if it's a heavenly treasure. There's a pastor who told the story of a couple uh, that, and their four-year-old child, their boy, who attended their church. The parents wanted their child to finally give up uh, his blanket that was all torn. It was old, it was smelly, it was stained, it was just plain disgusting. The only problem was this child really had a connection to that blanket. It was his best friend. Always carried it around with him. He took naps with it, kept him warm. It was special to him. One Sunday as the offering plate plates were sitting up front in the auditorium, he made his way forward. And with tears running down his cheeks and his hands shaking like a leaf, he put his blanket in the offering plate as a gift to God. Now, I'm not sure if that blanket had any value Probably not. But it tells you a lot. And it tells you this, that God definitely treasured it. I could guarantee you that God is treasuring that blanket to this day. Have you given over the things that you love dearly in this world over to God? If not, I hope you do. I hope you start landing yourselves treasures in heaven that will last for eternity. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where is your heart this evening? Is your heart on the things that you love to do here on earth? Or is your heart first and foremost upon God? And then you get to do the things that you like to do as well. Hope that was a blessing you guys tonight. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes.